Hey, another great episode of Roundup is coming up next. If you like what you heard, please go online to redsearadio.org and donate, become a monthly sustaining member, and keep us on the air. Thank you and God bless. Well, good morning. You have tuning in to Red Sea Roundup. I am your host for the day, Pam Marvin, and this is Wednesday, the 16th of May. Wow, I can't believe it's already that time of year. Um, Joining me in the studio this morning are Taylor Schroll. Hello. Samantha Shepard. Yes, I'm here. And Thaddeus is on production, so he's busy doing his thing. Hello. Yeah, <laughs> he's over here as well. Um, we will be having a pre-recorded session today. Um, just right after our break will be Sister Rafaela Cavallin, and we'll be discussing the virtue of justice. So I'm doing a little bit of a theme this year on um, human formation. I I feel like we have a lot of theological formation, but we need human formation. And that is increasing in virtue and being aware of root sin and things of this nature. So um, that's kind of been my theme today, guys, or this year and continuing on. But I'm very excited to have both Taylor and Samantha join me because they are the, what would you say, the leaders uh, rulers. Rulers. Ooh. <laughs> Overlords. <laughs> no, my children have had the beautiful opportunity to take part in the Ablaze Ministries Camp Basic for the last several years. I think even Thomas had done it back when he was still in school here. And this has been a beautiful, long-running uh, camp, shall we say? Yeah. Yeah, junior high summer camp. Junior high summer camp. Um, just a beautiful thing. It's just blessed the Marvin family very much. And so I wanted to invite them on to talk about the next one that's upcoming because it's changed just slightly over the past couple of years. A little bit. Yeah, just last year we we made a big change. Before we even start, I just want to say that uh, Red Sea Radio finally let me go live on the radio again. They kicked, <laughs> they, they uh, took my show off of live and so it's all pre-recorded now to be safe. So, Miss oh, Marvin, you yeah. are very brave to have me come on live. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Camp Basic has uh, has been going on for many, many years. Sam, yes. why don't you talk about why, like how it started, because you were there at the first one, and then I'll talk about the changes. Yeah, uh, I don't know, really know why it started, but I guess they said middle schoolers need Jesus too. So <laughs> That we'll was start. the tagline. Yeah. That's what it is. So they started this camp. Yeah, I was actually one of the first groups to get to do it. I did it in eighth grade, um, and it's this week-long event that you get to come to and not only just have fun and get to know other middle schoolers trying to grow in their faith, but also to be able to have small groups together, hear talks about Jesus and have time for praise and worship and different kind of sacraments and things like that. So, yeah. Yeah. So it's been going on for many, many years. And last right. year we were like, okay, for, for years, ever since the beginning, it was a day camp at St. Joseph's. Mm-hmm. So it's just for St. Joseph's students and maybe a couple of their friends. But you'd come like nine to three every mm-hmm. day, Monday through Friday. Mm-hmm. And it was like kind of hard for parents. It's like, it's the middle of summer if you work. It's like, it wasn't really all that helpful to the parents. The kids loved it. <clears throat> but it was like, okay, I have to go to work and then I get off at five. My kid's here. And it's like, it's, it's just this whole mess, right? Now. 
It wasn't a mess. It was very effective. It was. You're cutting yourself short no, there. No, no, no. It was effective for the kids. The parents were like, Ugh, why are you doing this? <laughs> so um, we made the change last year to actually go out and make it a summer camp at a summer camp. So we moved okay. over to what is now called Camp Cabina. It was called Cooper Farm last year. Same place, just a different name. Okay. And we had an absolute blast. So they yeah. stay overnight. So parents, you can just send your kids with us. For five days, they come have fun. They right. get closer it's four to four nights and five days, which was You're a lot correct. doable. You know, I'm one of those parents who like just, um, I have a hard time partying with my kids mm-hmm. in the summer. I feel like, you know, especially since they're my cabooses, so to speak, you know, the youngest of the, the five kids. So it's harder for me to like let them go. And overnight was really even harder for me to do. But the four days made it a little easier than those five days. And I have to say, my girls, I mean, they're still talking about last year. It's just like the best ever being away. So I thank you. I don't know. What did, what did you do to my kids? <laughs> That's an odd question. <laughs> what do we do at camp? Sam? Yeah. What did you do? Yeah. This this past year? Yeah. What we're talking about? Yeah. We did lots of things. There's there's uh, archery. There's a swimming pool. There's a blob. So we do lots of fun stuff. Miss Marvin, have you ever day. been on a blob? No, but I've heard all about them. Okay, so what, they're a lot of fun. Yeah. I actually blobbed your daughter, and I, like again, <laughs> let's explain this, right? So there's this huge inflatable. balloon, inflatable type thing right. in a very large lake, mm-hmm. very deep lake. And there's, have you ever been on like high dives? Used to be a thing before sure. like, everybody sued everybody for anything. Yeah, you know, we used to have fun in, in the world before people started. Suing <laughs> I know, I, I got to, yay! But uh, yeah, it was like this, like set, it's like jumping off a two story building onto this onto this uh inflatable on the other end a, somebody else sits on the end of that so when you jump down and yell geronimo and like do a cannonball onto this inflatable well you know how air works if you push it down really hard on one side it pushes up really hard on the other side so and you, they go flying like a catapult exactly yes. and uh your daughter your second youngest uh, I blobbed her last year, and I Dottie, right? I, uh, no, it's Annie. I did. They wouldn't let me do Dottie. Dottie's too small. Too small. Okay, <laughs> okay. Yeah, but Annie, she went absolutely flying. I'm surprised she's made it back down at this point. So. <laughs> oh yeah, I did hear about that for sure. They thought it was so so awesome, but you know, it was also the team of people you had there too. I just have to say, you know, big. Big thank you from my mother heart for, you know, Blaze Ministries and the uh, young people that you have guiding them. I think, you know, that's, that's why we have young people as ministers, because you you bring the holy coolness to life, man. <laughs> we don't we don't. Our bodies don't break when we land on the blob. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you had a wonderful team there last year. So can you tell me about the team that's going to be there this year? Yeah, so it's going to be uh, the team from Ablaze Ministries puts this on in right. conjunction with a bunch of other youth ministries. So our the three youth programs that we work with here in the area, uh, along with some other area places like Navasota, and we got some people from Austin and the Houston area all coming with us, and their youth ministers come as well. So we end up ha- having at this camp, well, we had last year and we'll have this year, like 12 to 15 professional full-time youth ministers on site <laughs> To hang out with these kids, have fun with them throughout the day. And then at n- every night we have something, you know, it's like it is a Catholic camp. We do the spiritual stuff at night. We'll have a we'll have a small Bible study in the morning to start the day. And then at night a different youth minister will give a talk on whatever the theme is. Our theme this year is Assemble, um, kind of playing off the Avengers, mm. the you know, big movie that just came out. Um, 
and uh, we have we have talk, we have praise and worship, we have times of prayer. Uh, so we kind of trick them into coming to camp. It's like, hey, <laughs> come here, have fun. You'll have a great time with your friends. And then also there's this guy named Jesus that you should meet. That's right. To, to grow in the personal relationship. And so I have to always tell people if they're not familiar with the blaze, the one of the best ways I could explain it to you is, you know, well, my kids, I do have them over in Catholic school and they get plenty, of, they get their theology, which is great. And I'm so thankful for that. That's just one of the reasons I have them there. Um, and they learn all about the Bible and the catechism and they're really steeped in that knowledge. But then there's a blaze ministries. And what a blaze does then folks is really, um, introduce our kids to that personal relationship with Jesus. What does your personal relationship look like? And that it is like a friendship and to go to Jesus in that friendship and the ugly and messiness of every daily life. And heaven knows middle schoolers have a lot of that, you know, and we're so thankful that we have a campus minister there too for the kids to talk to, but these ablaze ministers, that's their, that's their calling. That's their apostolate. They are these little apostles for Christ that are bringing these children, introducing them to Jesus and that personal type of relationship. And they're doing it through camp basic. So mm-hmm. I got to tell a little story about my daughter. I was telling you all right before we came on the air. So Andy must've been 13 at the time, maybe 12 even. So it's been a few years ago, three at least since she's 15. So yeah, 12. She would, um, she came back and she sat in the car when I picked her up from camp basic and she just busted out crying. I'm like, Oh my gosh, what happened? Are you okay? <laughs> and they were literally, they were tears of joy for her. And, and she stopped and she's in her 12 year old way. She says, well, mom, you know how in, in video games you have, you, you go until you get to the next level and it's a whole new area that you get to go through and play and do. Well, before I went to camp basic, I, I asked him, Jesus in my prayer to take me to the next level and then she busts out crying once again and said, and he did. <laughs> so that was like, wow, I was really hooked and sold at that point. And, 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 and reflecting on it, I think she said a lot. It was a testimony of some of the other younger people that were mm. there. So you have, but tell me about the makeup. You'll have actually high school counselors and you'll have a blaze ministers. Tell me about that. Yeah, uh, that's actually one of my roles um, there. I'm not a middle school youth minister. I'm a high school youth minister. So that's my job is to work with these high school students to teach them how to lead a small group and how to be a leader and allow them to see that these middle schoolers, no matter what you do or whatever, you think if you're a leader or not, you are. Mm. Everything you do is being seen by someone smaller than you. So what are your hands and feet doing? What are you choosing to do with your time? And is it something you would want someone younger to follow? Mm. You know, and just to really put that confidence in them and allow them to see that you could do something in the church now. Mm-hmm. And you're called to do something in the church now. And so that's like one of my jobs. So they get to do random things like skits and we do dramas and all kinds of stuff like that to allow the middle schoolers to see this is something you can do. Mm-hmm. It's not just something, oh, I'll wait till I'm 30 and then I'll start I'll start being Catholic then. It's like, no, like right no. now you have a place in the church to do something. So what I'm kind of hearing is, is this is the platform like, this has been our personal experience during camp basic. We receive so much. Uh, the children mm-hmm. receive a lot of Jesus and that just that love that it's being poured on from the camp counselors and the ministers and everything. Um, and they receive so much and grow that when they're in high school, then they're like, man, I need to give back. I mean, that's been our personal experience as, as my 
older of the younger two decided she really wants to be on the team to help give back because she's right. benefited so much. I mean, this is like, oh, for her, just the most wonderful thing ever. Absolutely. And and I think that's kind of how it works. I went to the camp and now I've staffed it every single year since really? it's been in existence, you know? And so it's just crazy to see something happens here. It does. Something happens that people notice it and see it and want to come back mm-hmm. and be a part of that and help other people experience something that they experience there. Right. You know, one thing that you didn't mention that the kids absolutely loved as well. I think Blob was the first, but the robes course was the oh, second. Yes. <laughs> so tell me, I mean, I'm really kind of fascinated with how y'all frame that while you're out there, because as we know, overcoming fear is a huge thing in the mm. spiritual life, you know, and that's a physical manifestation of it. So how do you coach the kids during that that time. I mean, how are you tying it back to Christ and overcoming fear? Yeah. So I, uh, I worked at a church camp for a couple of summers and, uh, we would do stuff like this all the time. Like these team building activities. And like, we do have the low ropes course, which isn't as much overcoming the fear, but then we have the high ropes course, which they're doing trapeze stuff and they're climbing on, on pieces of wood, 40 feet up in the, in the air. And, you know, they're strapped in, of course, and it's all very safe, but it's still terrifying. So, <laughs> so uh, they're having a lot of fun there. So they are overcoming fears there. And then in the low ropes course, it's a lot of team building stuff. And how we set these up, and a lot of times it's like the people that work at the camp are setting them up as well, but they give them the bare bones instructions and then they just have to figure it out. It's a lot of like, how do people work as a team? And you'll see, like, as the adult standing outside with them, you see the kid standing up and uh, saying like, I'm going to be the leader and nobody else wants to follow him. And then he gets frustrated and then the other kids start. And it's like, it just becomes this microcosm of what their actual life like yes, in school right, looks right, like. Right. And then at the end of all this stuff, um, whether the low ups course or the high ups course, how do we connect it back is we'll sit down and we'll have a little discussion. And there are, there are four questions um, that we were taught as counselors to use. It's essentially like what just happened? On the bare bones, like what just happened? It's like, okay, Miss Marvin tried to go up the the uh, rock wall, but she didn't make it up. Like that that would be us explaining like what actually happened. Right. Um, so what, and then now what? Uh, or no, uh, so what, sorry. What, so what? Like, so what does that mean? Like, how do you feel? Like you didn't make it all the way up, but you you made it farther than you ever have before like how are you actually feeling and then we'd ask this question of everybody right so what and then now what what did you learn from this what did you learn about yourself what did you learn about teamwork what did you learn about your best friend that's standing next to you like what did you learn and then the final what is what does god say Mm. so it's like you know like our i'm just shooting off my hip now but it's like our power is made his power is made perfect in our weakness right so like yeah like you didn't make it all the way up that was your goal but God's always always there for you. And then like a lot of times it's like, okay, I pulled you up. You know, like if I'm the person like uh belaying you, that's like the person holding on to you at the bottom, right? It's like we've done that before. We're like somebody's struggling to get up and I won't do it completely for them, but I'll 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 pull a little bit and help them to kind of get that last little step. So uh, there's a lot of you can make almost any sure. connection you want, and a right. lot of that comes up like in the Bible studies, in our uh, small group discussions. You connect stuff throughout the week, and it, it it becomes this amazing avenue that we never ever get. Like small ropes course and high ropes course is not something that people do, um, right. so they get this opportunity pretty much once a year to do it, and it's great. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna put a little plug in for for something for y'all to really think about because. Um, in, in incorporating into this, which is a parenting technique, but it also goes into school life, spiritual life. Ready? Mm-hmm. Effort. 
Mm. What's your effort? Did you give it your effort? Did you do your best in your effort? Yes, I did. Then thank you. Thank you. Because um, there was a, gosh, I guess it was a study in, done not too long ago in the last few years that really said that that is really more of the measure of intelligence is the kind of effort and tenacity that you put into it. So to have the emphasis be on something like that with the effort, because to me, effort in the spiritual life is huge because we have to wake up every day, give our yes, give our best effort, and it's tiring. And it's tough, just like a ropes course, just like a marathon. Mm. We have to continue to do that. So just put a little plug in your ear. That gives me a lot of hope because I try really hard at everything I do. I'm just not very intelligent. So (laughs) that gives me a lot of hope. Thank you. No, no. See, it's a measure. (laughs) No, actually, you know, if you want to be a saint or a scholar, which would you rather choose? That's the correct answer. Yes, Yes, that's right. (laughs) Yeah, I do not want to be a scholar. We've got one of those in the room. Thaddeus is the scholar. Uh, Miss Marvin is quite the saint. saintly, <laughs> quite saintly scholar he is, which I'm so blessed to know him. <laughs> You're making him blush That's in his humility. He's awesome. Thank you, Thaddeus, for all you do for KEDC. But. <laughs> It's, yeah, it's, he's, he's saying it's you're real, welcome. He's, he he's saying it's not about me, right? Okay, so let's back to him, basically. Okay. Okay, so let's talk about signing up, the best avenues yes. to do that, how to pay for it. Let's do that. <laughs> yeah, well, you and I had that conversation. <laughs> we did. So, because you have avenues on the website to make donations and such. Well, I really do encourage you if you would like to make a donation to the General Fund of Ablaze Ministries, go to ablazeyouth.org. And you can click on the button to make any donation to them, to their general fund, to keep this beautiful ministry going as well. Or sponsor minister. You know, Mr. Mm-hmm. Marvin and I sponsor a few just because we we just believe in the mission of Ablaze so much. Um, so we encourage that as well. But that's not yeah. what this is about. It's general about fund Cam is Basic. spelled T-A-Y-L-O-R. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was coming. Yeah. Uh, so Camp Basic is... July 9th through 13th. It's about an hour and a half from here in the Bryan College Station area in in Ledbetter, Texas. You can sign up. Also on the same website, ablazeyouth.org. You can go to the events page. You'll, you'll see Camp Basic. It has all the flyers there. If you if one of your local parishes is going, Navasota, Bryan, uh, St. Joseph's, St. Anthony's, uh, St. Mary's, and Brenham, if one of those parishes is going, you can turn it into your parish office. If not, Everyone's invited. Everybody's sixth through eighth, current sixth through eighth graders okay. are invited. And if you're not with one of those parishes, you can sign up, drop it off at the Ablaze office um, on, on Coulter. You can look it up. You can Google it, you know, Ablaze Youth, and uh, you'll see our address there. You can drop it in our little mailbox. You can slip it through this slot in the in the door, or if somebody's there, obviously, come on in and say hi. <laughs> um, it is a blast. We absolutely love this camp. I got to, when I was a kid, uh, in junior high, I was actually on my way out of the Catholic church. I started going to the non-denominational church. The one thing that kind of kept me grounded in the Catholic church was going, going to mass. Cause my mom forced me to thanks mom. And then also like my greatest experience of the Catholic church until like through junior high was going to summer camp the two years mm, after. Mm-hmm. And like, that was my good experience. And, like, that's what we want for this to be sure. for, for, for young people. It's like, this is our great experience within the Catholic church. Um, so yeah, it's two, $285. You can sign up. So here's the deal. You, you, it's hard for you to separate from your kids. Most parents in my uh, experience are like, you'll take my kid for five days 
and all I have to pay you is $285. Yeah, that's Especially the boys. Deal. If they're at home, oh they gosh. eat $150 worth of food. That's so true. Days. Hey, <laughs> don't forget about my girls. My girls will do too. Well, I can't thank you guys enough for coming in and sharing about Camp Basic with us today. Again, at blaze.org for more information. Blazeyouth.org um, for more information. I really encourage you that uh, it's for the price, this is like you cannot beat this summer camp, folks. So I encourage you to, to sign them up, 6th through 8th grade. And I want you to come up after the break. We'll be talking to Sister Rafaela on the virtue of justice. Thanks for having us on. I appreciate it. Welcome back. You are listening to Red Sea Roundup on KEDC, KYAR. And Thaddeus, give me the call letters to Palestine one more time. KINF 107.9, yes. the Holy Land of Texas. Ooh, that's right. I like that. Whoop. That's really good. Well, joining me today is Sister Rafaela Cavaline, and we are on the second part of a virtue talk or virtues. Um, during this year, 2018, it's really been on my heart to to speak about human formation and uh, the human virtues are such a very big part of that. And Sister has graciously agreed to come and share us some of her insights and some of her teachings. Uh, we have such a, a, a rich um, vault of knowledge with the apostles of the interior life, with their formation. She's looking at me like, yeah, Pam, okay, I do have my best, but... <laughs> But we really, really need to to thank God for the gifts that he's given us in you and, and, and the sisters that are here at St. Mary's. And so we're so grateful to God for that. And we want to take advantage of of your knowledge and wisdom, because after all, that's that's what you're here for. Yes, absolutely. And take advantage of my Italian accent. Oh, yes, it's quite <laughs> lovely. <laughs> I, I love that. Well, let's just recap a little bit about what is human formation and talk just briefly about prudence. Uh, which was the last show that you did with me before we move into to justice. Yes. Well, I think that we began by reminding each other that grace builds on nature and grace understands nature. Therefore, that everything that we do in our human formation comes from an understanding that we are loved by the Lord. And because we are loved by the Lord, he always asks us to go higher and higher always to reach for excellence and for what is higher. And this is what I believe parents teach their children. Parents teach their children to always desire more and to grow. And that's what we sisters do, especially through spiritual direction, is to go on those one-on-ones and invite the students, mostly the college students, to become who the Lord wants them to be who had in mind, mm-hmm. he had them in mind when he created them with a goal. And so that's that's really what human formation is, equipping people 
just moving the right direction. Right. So if I'm going to back up a second, because I love even just saying the name of your order, the Apostles of the Interior Life. I mean, that's mm. such a rich, even point of contemplation. You were an apostle set forth to go and deliver the good news and to really talk on interior life, which is so needed in these day and times in this culture of distraction that we live in. Oh, to well, be it's, able- it's funny because, yes, that name is very attractive. A lot of people stop us and, and ponder that name, although sometimes in the mail we do get things uh, sent to the Apostles of the Interior Lie, or, you know, people just <laughs> get, you know, the typos are really funny, but but that's really the idea, the interior life that is within each of us, but sometimes we are unaware of it. Mm-hmm. And so we're all aware of our exterior life, but the interior life often goes unnoticed and that is really what our founder, Father Salvatore Scorza, when he felt an, an invitation from the Holy Spirit to start this charism, was really to take care of the interior life that is often hidden, but is nonetheless as important, actually more important than the exterior life. Mm-hmm. So that's what we try to focus on. And so we take care of our own interior life, first of all, in order to be able to help Others Absolutely. Well, I want to kind of make a, a, a kind of a distinction just um, for our listeners, too, that it's been my personal journey and experience that as, as I start out on this life journey, when I think of just myself as a as a as a teenager and a young woman, um, there is there's a there's a time and there's a point where you start to really awaken to this interior life. You know, at first, it's just like everything is kind of one and it's usually all out there. But after some um, growth, maybe, and some maturity, and, you know, in my case, I feel like truly just the grace of God that allowed me to look inside. So I want to encourage um, people listening today that perhaps if you've never even thought about, well, what's an interior life like? Uh, I mean, the best place ever is to start with prayer, obviously, but um, just to really know and be very aware of there's a whole nother aspect to you is part of our human formation to know that there's this whole interior life that goes on. And usually that has a lot of care and keeping of our soul Mm -hmm. and who we are as humans as we walk around on the planet. Which is why we're talking about virtues today. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. We, we did talk briefly about prudence, and I'm going to repeat again what I'd said, because mm-hmm. I just, I tell this to everyone I see now, sisters, that, ah, oh, Sister Raffaella says, that prudence is the charioteer of all virtues. And so we've really, as a, the Marvin household has been working on that mm-hmm. virtue of prudence, because, you know, if we stop and we slow down and, and we really consider, take a breath and pause and maybe delay um, answering questions or um, making a decision to really consult the Holy Spirit because you made such a beautiful distinction the last time we were together about making a decision and discernment. So would you recap that one for us too? Yes, I think that what we were talking about is the distinction between praying and discerning about something rather than figuring it out. Mm -hmm. Because when we try to figure things out, what we're really doing is we're placing ourselves as the main character in the action. And, you know, that can go well or can go poorly, depending on how aware I am of things, how free I am from things. But true discernment is prayer. True discernment is invoking the Holy Spirit and asking for His wisdom. And at that point, it's a win-win situation. You can never go wrong when you have the Holy Spirit involved Whereas when I try to figure things out on my own, can go well, but it can also go poorly. Mm-hmm. And so really, 
that's what we teach in the interior life uh, through spiritual direction is that there is no discernment without prayer. I remember once this one young woman that was telling me, sister, I've been, you know, discerning my vocation for a while now. And, and so she goes on and talks. And then I said, well, how's your prayer life going? And she goes like, well, we don't need to talk about prayer. We need to talk about discernment. I'm like, honey, (laughs) (laughs) discernment is prayer. So there's no talk on discernment without prayer because discernment is really sifting through Mm -hmm. the interior life, the ups and downs, the consolations, desolations, the thoughts, emotions, desires, everything that goes on in our life. And that's what prayer is. Prayer is any uplifting of the heart and the mind to God, as the catechism says. Mm -hmm. So discernment is prayer. That's beautiful. And, and when you when you even think about the interior life and in the discernment and prayer, what else are we going to start to do? And that is to really focus on certain virtues. And again, last time we, we spoke of prudence, but this time we're going to really focus on justice. And when I say justice, I think the first thing that comes to mind is we think of our justice system, um, mm. you know, lawyers, yeah. attorneys, uh, different things like that. And this is justice, which sometimes doesn't always evoke a real positive <laughs> and a positive yeah. image. Mm-hmm. But but this is so much more. So if you just take a second and just really um, explain to us what justice is as a human virtue. Mm. Well, I would like to start from the quote of the catechism and break it open. Sure. Because you can never go wrong there. Never. So the catechism says that justice is the moral virtue that consists in the constant and firm will to give their due to God and neighbor. And then it talks that it says that the just man is distinguished by habitual right thinking and the uprightness of his conduct. Hmm. So the virtue of justice right away looks at two relationships, with God and with neighbors. Yes. And so, you know, maybe the first scriptural references that comes to mind is when Jesus says, give unto Caesar what is Caesar's and unto God what is God's. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's a little bit of the idea that justice has these two parameters that we need to keep in mind, justice towards God and towards neighbor. And I think that each of us, every child at some point has screamed, it's unfair, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, we all have felt cheated one way or another, whether it's at a game and a purchase in a relationship or someone cutting us off in traffic. And so we get worked up whenever we see an injustice. Mm. Now, concretely, there are so many ways in which we can look at justice. And I would like to see it first from, you know, a relationship with neighbors, right? Because that's probably the easiest one to see. When there is an injustice, we don't really think an injustice towards God. We think an injustice that has been done to us, Mm, someone, right? mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so you can think in work ethics. What do you teach your children? Probably teach, be dutiful, don't cheat, work well with the team, play well on the playground, be honest, Uh, don't waste time or resources, whether yours or those of your employer, uh, strive for excellence. I mean, these are all synonyms, if you will, these are all experiences that we use to try to define justice. Mm. Actually, I, I could probably even say this because a way that justice manifests in mm-hmm. excellence and striving. You know? Yes, absolutely. And what comes to mind is a beautiful scene from that beautiful movie, The Passion mm. by Mel Gibson. Mm. Now, I only watched it when it came out. I don't have the courage to watch it again. But there is one scene that I recall it's a flashback when Mary calls Jesus because lunch is ready 
and he's so taken by the work that he's doing that he doesn't even hear her. And what I like is that the camera is pointed, focused on Jesus, and he is so intent at checking the perfection of the table that he's making. Mm. Do you recall that, yes, that I scene, mm-hmm. right? And so he's so firmly rooted in the present moment, the table that he's making, that he's giving his best to God, who gave him the gifts of being mm. a good carpenter, mm-hmm. and he's giving his due to the potential, to the future owner of that table. Now, this is, although Jesus knew that in a year or two, he would leave all of that behind to go and preach the Father's love, that didn't prevent him from being present and just in that moment. Mm -hmm. He could have said, well, who cares? Even, you know, if this table is not perfect, who cares? No one will come back and complain in two years because I will be gone. So the virtue of justice, of rendering to God what is God's, and to our neighbors, what is theirs, is the same one that students have to deal with when they might say, well, I don't really need that class. I don't need to study for that class. It's just a filler to graduate. Mm -hmm. Or maybe someone that might say, you know, no one has ever come back and check if there's any mistake. It's just a dull report. Don't we have that mentality sometimes? Oh, yes. Now, human formation tells us that the virtue of justice is at play here. Mm Mm-hmm. Do I give God his due by doing well in the present moment what he's asking me to do, being obedient to the circumstances and giving their due to whoever I'm serving? Mm-hmm. So this is one concrete example of where, you know, the virtue of justice can be seen at work. Yes, that sounds really like the other things that come to mind as you're saying that too is is that not only is it like this justice and fair, but it's, it's also a matter of uh, not just even rendering just to God, but those around us and to ourselves as well. Yeah. Uh, to really have a firm understanding and not to cut corners and, and not to... Um, another thing that I think that we fall into a habit of these, these day and times is when we rush too much, we rush and uh-huh. we miss a lot, we're distracted, people are... So much so trying to do two, three things at once to get it all done and rush it all in. And sister, I've long held and believe that that's just one of the ways that the evil one keeps us distracted and off our game. Mm-hmm. And then as you're saying, though, this is this is a part of what is not just to God, the, mm-hmm. to, to slow down and, and be more discerning, to be more prudent. Yeah. And that acronym, I don't know if you ever heard the acronym for the word busy, is being under Satan's yoke. Uh, when we are busy, mm-hmm. we are not allowing ourselves to just live in the present moment. Theologians talk about the sacrament of the present moment, which is the moment in which time and eternity meet. And that is the time, the moment in which God's grace is touching us in the here and now, but we often live it in the past or in the future. Okay, I got to repeat that phrase because I just really love that. The sacrament of the present moment. moment. Because sacraments are the presence of God in the here and now. Mm -hmm. And so the present moment, C.S. Lewis has a beautiful, beautiful uh, quote in one of his Screwtape letters. I think it's letter number 15 when he's talking about time and eternity and, you know, the scripted letters is Christianity backwards. Mm-hmm. So it's the devil that is trying to train his nephew to be a successful devil. And he tells him this very interesting thing. He tells him, make sure that your patient is either obsessed with the past or 
projected into the future, either in the past through regrets and hurts, unforgiveness, unforgiveness, or in the future through anxieties and worries. He says, it doesn't matter. Just keep him away from the present because the present is the, t- is the point at which time and eternity meet. And that is the moment in which God kisses earth. Right. That reminds me of a phrase that I've, I've heard a few times and remind myself often is that you can't find God in the past and you can't find him in the future. You can only find him in the present moment because he is outside of space and time. Exactly. And that's how when you go so to... So why would we want to be there? Yeah, well, it's <laughs> like if you want a Coke and you go to a fountain, a Coke fountain, and you press the button, if you put your cup to the right or to the left, you're not going to get any Coke. Mm. You need to put the Coke right underneath where it comes out. And that's what we do. God's grace is in the here and now, but often our cup is either to the left, mm. that is to the past, or to the right in the future. And we're missing, and we get thirsty, and we don't understand why. We say, God, why aren't you answering? Well, he is answering. You just are moving your cup, that is yourself, either to the past or the future, and you're not living in the present moment, Mm -hmm. which is where God's grace is happening. Right. Well, I also want to, I'd like to talk about some more scenarios about justice. Mm -hmm. Okay, so here, you know, let's say that for myself or say I'm teaching my teenage children um, more about justice and how do we live it in our everyday life? How do we live justice in our everyday life? Um, I believe you had a really great um, story about a young woman. Do you mm-hmm. remember this one? Yes. Tell that story. It's such a good one. Yeah. So a few years ago, I was meeting with this young woman, had been meeting for a while in spiritual direction, a couple of years. And one day she comes in and she says, there's something that has been troubling me on my conscience. And she said, years ago, I was in a car accident. My sister was driving, but she had drunk a little bit too much. And so by the time the police came, we testified what was false, that is, that I was the one driving. So this was to get out of trouble and so that the insurance would cover that experience. But she said, you know, it's been a few years, and since I've been coming closer and closer to the Lord, this memory is just eating at me because I realized that that was unfair. I did something truly unjust. And so I was so glad to see that her spiritual journey had brought her to realize how this one memory that she had in the back of her mind that kept coming back, uh, bothering her, was indeed the Holy Spirit inviting her to strive for excellence. Mm. And so I was able to walk her through um, some of that memory. And then honestly to say, well... I'm glad that you got to this point. And, you know, justice requires uh, what is called a restitution. Mm-hmm. Now, you cannot go back in time. It would be really uh, non-advisable for you now to go back and contact that insurance company and say, hey, and by the way, you know, five, ten years ago I cheated on you. But you still owe something to someone. So restitution in that case, I had suggested her, was... You know, with your first paycheck, once you get out of college, get a job, your first paycheck could go into charity because that is a way for you to make restitution. Now, you cannot physically go back and give back money to, you know, to the insurance, but in some way you took something that was not yours. Mm -hmm. And so that is what a true sense of justice does. 
not only that I ask forgiveness, and that's important, that's key, that's step one, but step two is, okay, I need to make restitution. You know, sister, that reminds me of, um, I talk a lot and I really am a big advocate of the examination of conscience that Father Gately says in the 33 Days of Morning Glory, the baker and the R. Are you familiar with this one? No. Um, It's a a type of examine that uh, I really like it because the baker, I can always remember that acronym. And the B stands for blessing, to recall the blessings God give you that day. Um, A is for ask for God to be very present with you in that moment. And K is where did you kill Jesus? Where is the sin? You know, Mm -hmm. what did you do? I like to frame it as where did you break that love? And you did not love Christ as you should, whether in your neighbor or to yourself or to God. And E, oh, it's my favorite. Sometimes I skip straight to E, I must confess, is embrace, the holy embrace. Imagine God's merciful love embracing you. But the R, sister, is indeed um, restitution, resolution. And what I do is I encourage people along the same lines. So maybe not, this is, that's kind of a a big example. Absolutely, yeah. But say, for instance, um, um, my mouth got away from me and I said something unkind about a person to another. Not only do I feel like I owe the person I spoke unkindly words to them to say, I, I, I apologize. That was just not right of me. Um, but also to say kind words about the person who has mm-hmm. spoken poorly of. Um, and even if I don't see them is maybe you have to, to speak kindly, more kindly of other people. Do you see what I'm saying? So it's a yeah, type absolutely. of a restitution for, for that kind of mm-hmm. ill behavior. I think, you know, the, the, uh, I think a really common one today is people getting a little bit too angry too quickly. Right. You know, that's a, a sense yeah. of, I mean, that, I think it happens to all of us. We get mm-hmm. the irritations and stuff and so forth like that. Yeah. And uh, the curé of art is famous for one of his teaching moments when a woman went to confession and confessed the sin of gossip. Mm. And so then he said, well, you know, before I give you a penance, just go home, get a chicken and bring it here. And then she did. And then he said, "Okay, now you go home and you just pluck all the feathers from your chicken, get home and then come back. And she did that. And then when she got back, he said, okay, now you go back and pick up all the feathers. And she says, but that's impossible. You know, they've probably flown away by now. And he said, that's the same thing with our words. When we gossip, our words flow away. They fly away Mm -hmm. and we cannot go back and recall them all. We cannot go and ask forgiveness for each of them. So that was his way to say, you know, there are certain sins, if you will, the gossip being one of them, where although we might ask for forgiveness, then it's hard really to make due restitution because, I mean, you can't go and find all the people that heard your gossip. Well, you know, as I've aged too, sister, one of the things that I I feel, I didn't feel so much as a younger person, but as I've, I've, through prayer and everything, I feel like when when we do those types of detractions or anger, um, I, I feel like in a way, if you cannot do proper restitution, they have a boomerang effect and they will come back mm-hmm. to you in some other form by some other person, mm-hmm. maybe as an injustice done to you as well. Mm-hmm. I've just I've just been around long enough where I can really see that happen. And yeah. and and, and the other way of saying that, too, is, you know, what injures one of us in the body of Christ injures all of us. And so I'm injuring my own self when I say something 
um, in detraction, or that's not just about a person. And Absolutely. I could do a whole other show on detraction and <laughs> Absolutely. the way we talk. And you know what? Something that uh, also makes me comes to mind as you're speaking is something beautiful that Bob Schutz, um, he's the founder of the John Paul II Healing Center down in Tallahassee in Florida. Um, he has a beautiful line. He says, when God sees sin, he sees pain. Mm. So every sin that we commit somehow comes out of a wound. And he says, there is no sin that doesn't wound. And when we're wounded, we sin. When we sin, we wound. Out of that wound, we sin. And it becomes this vicious cycle uh, that only God's grace can can actually break. And so, again, justice is one of the many areas uh, where we see that sometimes uh, we're being challenged to that excellence that we were talking about at the beginning. It's one of the many areas. You know, today we're focusing on justice, but you right. know, we'll be focusing well, on other things. Well, as we, uh, I mean, we as we start to wrap up a little bit, I want to give us some more real-world examples that um, the college students may face or, you know, like, for instance, I know that they're very tempted to bootleg movies or songs or things mm-hmm. like this. Um, can you speak on that? Yeah. I mean, honestly, safeguarding property rights and copyrights is key, especially in today's society where it's so easy to download music illegally or movies and those type of things. And that it, it goes back, you know, to the definition of virtue that says, Virtue of Justice says that it's right thinking and uprightness. Uprightness, you know, yes. Uprightness. And this is a challenge, you know, sometimes that we bring up with, with college students. But you'd be surprised, not just with college students, every person in a way is always tempted to cut corners, to get the yeah, easy way out. good way out. to put it, cut corners. It, it, yeah, really, that's, that's the human nature. And so that's why... You know, in human formation, spiritual formation, we talk about spiritual exercises. It's it's a workout. It's a gym. Mm. You know, you sweat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not it's not easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that we work on with students. But also another area that I realize can really be tempting is impartiality. Mm. So the virtue of justice looked at from the from the channel of impartiality. That is. Accepting the truth, no matter who speaks it, whether it's my best friend or someone that I dislike, right? Because truth stands above my likes and my dislikes. Mm-hmm. And I have a lot of examples in sports. I'm a huge soccer fan. I was going to ask you about that one. I'm Go a ahead. huge soccer fan. And so being just means if I see a skilled player from the opponent team doing something good, I need to be just in applauding that skillful move. It's hard, you know, because my human nature says, dang it, and you even scored against us. But if it's a good goal, I must applaud. But this applies to to politics, you know. If the opponent party, if someone from the opponent party is saying something truthful, I should be honest in saying that was a true statement. Mm-hmm. Whereas usually we tend to excuse our friends for saying something stupid, but we don't recognize the truth that being said by someone that we don't necessarily like. Mm-hmm. Or agree with. Or agree with. And this applies also, you know, at work. If, right. You know, acknowledging that a hostile co-worker did a good job or congratulating a parent that was elected at the school board and got more votes than me. These are acts of justice. It's rendering them yes. what is theirs. And we all even touched upon, 
you know, justice towards others, we probably need a whole new radio show for justice towards God that is rendering God what is due to him, mm-hmm. which ultimately is prayer, giving God of our time. And maybe a good analogy is, I love the 15 minutes analogy that says, you know, there are 96 slots of 15 minutes in a day. And God gives us every day 96 slots for free. He gives this to me and to you and says, here you are. Those are gifts to you. And then he says, can I have one back? And we often say, sorry, Lord, I I don't have those 15 minutes. I mean, 15 minutes is almost 1% Mm, of our time. mm -hmm. So that's a simple analogy to show how, you know, we should give God what is his by spending at least 15 minutes in prayer every day. Because that time is his anyway, it's not mine. I received so it true. every morning for free, and he's asking, will you give me back one? And, oh, boy, we, we get white knuckles to let go because we hold on tightly. It's my time. We feel entitled. Mm. So, again, this is not even scratching the surface of justice towards God. This gives an idea that, you know, prayer is an act of justice. Absolutely. Towards the Lord is giving God what is his. You know, not only is it giving it his, is what he says is, you don't realize how much I can heal you and you can have more peace when you start to spend more time with me. So it's such a win-win situation. Absolutely. Yeah. And that kind of justice, I think we all could be inspired to make sure we have built in part of that from our, our life, our prayer life built in. Um, what are some of the things that you, you teach like for, for your students? Like you're just starting out. What's a good place to start? What do you advise them? You know, to be honest, I often go back to the three words that the Pope says, uh, Pope Francis, that are the hardest ones, to say, thank you, please, and I'm sorry. Mm. And this is very true of just basic human formation. I see a lot of my friends have little kiddos, and, you know, when they come over to the house, they say, how do you say thank you or please say please to sister to give you something? So we teach our children, but at what point as adults we stop doing that? Mm, At mm -hmm. what point as adults we stop saying please and thank you and I'm sorry? Because the way we teach our children is the way we should live our own lives. You know, that makes me recall, um, you know, the the popular or in the past been very popular, the Downton Abbey series, right? It's perhaps it's a PBS series where... It's, a, it's very proper and things are done very well mannered. And as just kind of a casual culture watcher that I am and talking about justice, our culture in general, and I think this goes for throughout the world, um, that we've lost a certain amount of respect, of hu- a lot of respect for human dignity of the other. And one mm-hmm. of the ways that really always manifested was in propriety of manners and the way mm-hmm. we spoke to one another, you know, calling each other, like I would say, Sister Cavallin, you know, by your last mm-hmm. name, because it was too familiar to call you by your first name. Um, and that I think the popularity of that show was truly because we were fascinated and, and, and enamored with the fact that they treated one another with so much dignity. Mm-hmm. So as you're saying, a point of justice, so as our listeners are listening today, I, we just encourage you to to think about the common niceties, the pleasantries, the manners, to 
to treat every person with love, respect, and most of all, respect for that human dignity. Yeah, which is not just old school. I remember our professor of philosophy at the University of the Lateran, where we sister study, uh, she was the old school um, professor. Anytime she walked in, she would have everybody stand up. Mm. I mean, this is like 20 years ago, you know, when most people, you know, don't even care if their professor is walking into the classroom. But she would just have everybody stand and wait until everybody stood up and just waited a couple of seconds and then give us permission to sit down. It was a respect. It was yeah, an act of respect. Much, yeah, very much an act of respect. And so justice, uh, and, and you know, and we don't necessarily have to go to that extreme. Uh, you know, some people might think, well, that's old-fashioned. Well, there are so many ways in which we can be respectful and give others what is due to them. A greeting. You know, the, the, the most basic element to acknowledge someone's dignity is to greet them mm-hmm. when they walk into a building, when I pass them down the street, it's just that shows uh, that I acknowledge who you are and that you are a beloved child of God. Right. You know, and I'm going to take that down to the the home level as well, because I think we get so we get so busy with not even greeting people when they come in the home. We're so busy doing our chores. I'm, you know, cooking breakfast or cooking supper and people come in or going around. Um, so, you know, today, sister, I'm going to make kind of a, a resolution to to kind of revamp that, you know, making sure the children are saying good night before they go off to bed or upstairs because mine are old enough contact. to make yes, eye contact. Making eye contact when yes. someone walks in and instead of continuing to type on your computer, just turn, mm. make eye contact and greet and then go back to what you were doing. It's small things, but that is an act of justice. Mm, Simple, but a true act of justice. What a great one, too. And you know what another really daily one is? I think I want to remind our listeners is um, traffic, speed Mm. limits, traffic laws. Oh, yes. It's (laughs) an act of justice. I I have this friend. I considered him like this really holy guy. And he's got this radar detector in his car (laughs) so he can get away with speeding. I'm like, wait, somehow that's just incongruent to me because I don't feel it's just right. So I kind of snicker about that. Okay, well, that's almost it for our time today, sister. I can't believe it. I I, uh, I want to thank you for for coming and talking to us and sharing your your wisdom and your knowledge and and it's your countenance. But your countenance is so beautiful. I wish I could just impart it to our listeners just uh, the the serenity that is in this room right now with uh, sister being here and sharing her heart with us, which is a heart full of Jesus. And well, it's a and joy for you. me to be here and be. Here in your show, it's a real, real joy. Okay, we'll I do look it again. To be back. Yes, ma'am, we'll do it again in the near future. But until then, I just want to um, tell everybody, thank you so much for listening to Red Sea Roundup, and think about the virtue of prudence and justice today. And until next time, go and love your neighbor. Amen. <laughs> <laughs>